This is Daniel Kane at the Jacobs School of Engineering at the University of California, San Diego, and I'm here with Caleb Christensen, who is a nanoengineering grad student working in Mike Tolley's robotics lab in the mechanical and aerospace engineering department. And uh, today, Caleb is going to talk to us about smart materials for soft robotics. What's your elevator pitch in terms of, hey, you're a robotics guy, what do you do? So the the short and simple answer is I make artificial muscles and sensors for soft robots. Artificial muscles and sensors. So break that down. What does that what does that actually mean? Um, so soft robots. Uh, many people get confused right there. Is what is a soft robot? And I forget since I'm embedded in it. I I forget that other people haven't seen soft robots. And so I try to describe it as. Uh, if you've seen Big Hero 6, the Disney movie Big Hero 6. Haven't seen Big Hero 6. And so many people say that, which is also another uh, frustration, but that's okay. Um, so I'll continue there for just a moment. So if anybody listening has seen Big Hero 6, there's a, a character called Baymax, which is this big inflated, um, it kind of looks like the, the Michelin Man, but with smoother curves, and it's a soft robot that's inflated. Um, so I do similar things. So um, if you haven't seen Big Hero 6, I make uh, robots that are made out of rubbers or polymers or stretchable compliant materials. And the idea is that if you have a robot working around people, it would be safer if the robots were made out of stretchable rubbery materials. So instead of Terminator, if it hits you, it's going to hurt. Uh, a soft robot, um, if it hits you, it shouldn't hurt at all. But underwater robots is something else you're working on. Mm -hmm. Does that also mean soft, soft underwater? What's, what's going on there? Exactly. So it's the same idea. So if if I'm trying to study coral reefs, uh, so typically if you want to study a coral reef and you can't dive to it, you'll, you'll send a robot. Uh, so an ROV, they're called a remotely operated vehicle. And these things look like a, a suitcase with maybe some arms and some cameras on it. And so this thing that um, it's, again, a big rigid system that if it's trying to study uh, coral reefs or fragile structures underneath, if it bumps into it on accident, it's going to break your coral reef. Um, again, they're powered by thrusters, uh, big propellers, um, uh, like a boat engine would be, or jets. And so these things generate a lot of noise. And so for two reasons, we're trying to find ways of propelling underwater soft robots without these thrusters. And so what these thrusters could do is if you're trying to study fish, they'll hear the, the robot coming and they might be frightened by it. So if you're trying to study some elusive fish, you're going to scare it before you even get close enough to, to take a video or take a picture of it. Or they'll quick clean up their coral reef so when you get there, it looks... Exactly, yeah. And you <laughs> it's don't look... ready for guests. Yes, and so we want to be able to surprise them. And so the idea is that if we make a soft robot that, that wiggles its way through the water, um, then perhaps we could sneak up on these fish, or at least not disturb them. I think that's the, the bigger goal is you know not disturbing the local environment when we're trying to study it. And then the other side of that is that if you're trying to, to study sounds underwater, so there's a lot of um, interest in studying acoustics underwater. And when you're doing that with a platform that's powered by these propellers, you have to subtract out all that noise that comes from the propeller. So you're adding your own noise to the signal that you're trying to, to measure. And so if you had a robotic platform that didn't generate all this noise, you'd have a lot less work to do and a lot less um, noise to have to filter out. So why is a soft robot going to be less noisy? Yeah, so the structure that we've made um, that we are working on right now, it moves kind of like an eel. So let's go back to this artificial muscle idea. Um, so an artificial muscle is just a generic term for a actuator that drives a soft robot, for example. And so the ones that I make are sort of like 
stretchable capacitors. Uh, so even if you don't know what a capacitor is, I'll describe it as uh, two parallel plates of a conductive material and a thin sheet of rubber in between it. And if you apply a voltage across that thin sheet of rubber, um, if you apply a high enough voltage, those two plates will attract and squish the rubber. And so when you squish the rubber, you can cause these uh, deformations in the material. So it kind of contracts the way a muscle would contract. So we're still saying, so somehow you have to run some sort of electricity or current to the material. And by doing that, you're going to cause the material to, to change direction or move somehow. Exactly. And so we've, we've patterned um, these eel-like robots that use this kind of actuator or this artificial muscle that when we zap it with electricity in the right way, we can actually get it to wiggle through the water uh, completely silently. And so it'll, it'll wiggle through. Um, it's not super efficient, but it, we're working on making it better. So eventually, would these be some cordless? I mean, you'd be getting electricity to them, but they're not, you're not plugging them into the wall, I guess. So right now they're uh, they're wired or they're tethered. Um, we're curious about the idea of making them un untethered, and it does seem like it's possible. Um, there's batteries that we can use, and there's some electronics that will actually um, that are that should be sufficient to make these robots untethered. So it should be possible. Uh, we haven't done it yet, but we're definitely looking into it. Um, but even then, if they're tethered, there's actually a a big interest in tethered underwater robots because if you uh, if you lose power to your robot, you need to be able. It would be helpful if you could just yank it back out of the water. And so it's nice having this um, this physical link to your underwater robot, and that it's kind of like a leash. And so if it gets too far, if it gets into danger, perhaps you could be able to pull it out. And the second reason for having a tether is if you want high bandwidth uh, video, if you want like live streaming video of where your robot's at, um, it's really hard to get electric um, RF signals through the water. And so having that tether allows you to have um, high speed, high bandwidth video that you want to be able to have if it was untethered. Got it. And then the marine biologists still get to go out on their boats and and uh, get the great pictures. Exactly. Do you have any suggestions for students who are undergrads that are thinking about applying to grad school, especially in sort of the area of robotics or where robotics interfaces with material science? If you are interested in robotics, you can come at it from a, a variety of different ways. You don't need to be, um, you don't need to do a robotics program. You could do um, electrical engineering or computer engineering or uh, mechanical engineering, nanoengineering even, and, um, even non-engineering. We have um, in the robotics group, we have people from cognitive sciences. We have people from uh, health sciences. Um, it takes all different backgrounds and interests and experiences working together to do something as big and interdisciplinary as robotics. Up until three years ago, I didn't really think of myself as a roboticist, and I, I still, maybe I do a little bit more now than I did then. My, my biggest interest in, um, up until just a few years ago was, was nanotechnology. Um, so in, in high school, I was this big computer nerd where I, I loved uh, building, breaking, and fixing computers. Um, but what I thought at the time was that there's a lot of people that can do this. And so I don't want to get lost among all of the people that are doing the same thing that I'm really or was fairly good at at the time. And so what can I do that's a little bit more forward thinking that, you know, maybe not as many people are working on at the time. And so that's when I started reading books by Richard Feynman and some other people and got into this idea of, of nanotechnology. And I thought that instead of computers, I'll focus on nanotech and that'll be hopefully the next big thing. And I can focus on that and, and move ahead. And um, so that's what actually got me here was I was really interested in the idea of nano and micro robotics or 
there's a movie called Fantastic Voyage or, or Inner Space. Um, how can we make little tiny robots that can go inside the body and do surgery or find and cure diseases? And I, I'm, I'm still um, fascinated with this idea. And we're getting closer all the time. And so what I'm working on now are slightly larger scale robots. Um, but the idea is that eventually we can you know, use nanotech and, and robotics and all these material science um, things and, and even AI and computer vision and all these ideas. Eventually, these things can work towards building these miniature um, doctors that we can put inside the body to find and cure diseases. So my, my biggest thing is, you know, one of my big things is, you know, how can we use robotics to, to help people or how can we use nanotech to help people? And I think that this is an interesting way. So even if, so if you are interested in robotics or nanotech, what would you find interesting, you know, 5, 10, 30 years from now that you could do? And what are the steps that you need to take between now and then to prepare yourself to either provide that legacy or reach those goals? Caleb Christensen, he is a nanoengineering grad student at the University of California, San Diego and the Jacobs School. He is um, a key member of Mike Tolley's Bio-Inspired Robotics and Design Lab, which is in the Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering Department. And he's also one of the co-founders of a robotics grad group, and I'll let you call it. What's it called? It's the Association for Robotics Graduate Students. And then it's based here at UC San Diego. Correct. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs>